the grid or the energy sector in general is a unique element of critical infrastructure because it's an enabler. It enables all of the other critical infrastructures. Welcome to Electric Perspectives, a podcast that explores how America's electric companies are working to deliver the reliable, affordable, secure, and clean energy that powers our economy and our everyday lives. The show is brought to you by EEI, the Edison Electric Institute, which represents all U.S. investor-owned electric companies. I'm your host, Brian Real. Protecting the nation's energy grid and ensuring a reliable supply of energy are top priorities for America's electric companies. As cyber attacks against companies and U.S. government agencies grow in number and become more sophisticated, the electric power industry remains committed to protecting the grid and strengthening its defenses. On today's episode, we'll discuss cybersecurity issues and electric power industry initiatives with Manaj Chautai, Vice President, IT Engineering, Operations and Cybersecurity at Con Edison in New York, and then EEI's Vice President of Security and Preparedness, Scott Aronson, will be joined by Margaret Hopkins, Senior Vice President of Shared Services and Chief Information Officer at Puget Sound Energy in Washington State to discuss emerging cybersecurity threats and the basic cyber hygiene best practices that we all should be following. Manaj, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about your role and responsibilities at Con Edison? So my role at Con Edison, as you rightly mentioned, I head up uh, IT engineering and operations. Uh, and the uh, key part of my accountabilities is developing uh, an architecture framework for Con Edison. And I also have responsibility for cybersecurity protection uh, for the firm. And when you're doing the planning and really what are some of the key elements that uh, Con Edison and, and other electric companies should be looking at when they're developing cybersecurity strategies? So I would think of uh, three different elements. Um, one is to understand that cybersecurity is a shared risk across our sector. As part of it being a shared risk, uh, it's very important for us to have uh, what we would call a collective defense and a collective response approach that uh, enables um, both us as a as a firm and all of us as uh, as a sector to build systemic resiliency into into our operating uh, models last but not least i would think that uh, technology is important and having a defense in depth strategy uh, that leverages uh, a zero trust architecture is an important component of how we should be thinking about uh, developing our cybersecurity strategies. And in your role, you have to help develop strategies for the business enterprise. So those are the office employees, as well as the part of the system that is really the energy grid, the equipment that's being run. So we we, we have a, a partnership set up between um, IT and OT that uh, we think is, uh, is effective, uh, that brings in into the equation, the, the best of breed capabilities uh, of both organizations. And, um, and we look at cybersecurity as, uh, as a coordinated approach uh, that uh, links both the information technology aspects of the grid as well as the operational technology aspects of the grid. And that really seems like it's a great foundation for how the industry really works between and among itself, as well as 
the work that we do with whether they're security vendors or with government partners as well. I imagine that uh, you and your team spend quite a bit working with those other stakeholders. Absolutely. Um, it's very important in this time and, and in this age uh, to build what we call circles of trust between the various entities. We pay a lot of attention and focus in developing key partnerships with uh, with our partners in at both the, the local, the, the regional, and at the federal level, both within the, the government sector as well as within the, the private sector. And what would be or what might be some examples of how Con Edison would partner with the federal agencies and, and other companies to really just enhance collective grid security? So we have a regular dialogue that we've established with the Department of Energy, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, um, the, uh, and the CISA uh, part of, um, of the federal government. Uh, we also, through EEI and the EISAC, uh, uh, have frequent and communications both um, with, within the industry as well as uh, within the government sector. And I'll note for some listeners, so the EISAC is the Electricity Information Sharing and Analysis Center. So it works as a bit of a, a clearinghouse collecting information from the industry and helping to disseminate it to the stakeholders for kind of real-time situational awareness to inform kind of security decision-making. Correct. And uh, besides okay. these two that I mentioned, uh, we also have uh, other benchmarking efforts going on across the, the industry. Uh, there's a lot of uh, knowledge sharing and best practices that, that take place to ensure that uh, we are helping each other uh, in, in our cybersecurity protection efforts. And, um, and with the cyber mutual aid, uh, there is also the ability to, to provide assistance to our peer companies when there is uh, a need expressed for, for collaboration and support. That's terrific. I know that there's a lot of exercises and things that go on over the course of the year. I know we have the GridX series that, that's coming up that is put on by NERC, where companies are, are able to kind of practice and go through the motions of how they would deal with uh, simulated attacks, as well as how they would support each other and coordinate through those responses. So kind of maybe at a general level, are, are those things that your organization does where you'll do exercises to, to really assess uh, your own in-house planning? Uh, yes, we do periodic tabletop exercises, both with uh, with our internal stakeholders, as well as, uh, like you mentioned, Credex is, a, is an important uh, avenue for, for these types of, of preparedness. We also, uh, as, as is, uh, required, conduct other uh, exercises with the uh, with our federal partners to to ensure that um, that we are prepared for for cyber response. And I'll mention that it, October is considered to be Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So of course it's an important issue all year long. But as we come out of the the tail end of hurricane season and we're we're heading into the winter, one thing that's always interesting is. There are times when companies, especially those in the Northeast, whether it's impacted by ice storms or snowstorms, you have times when companies are, are really active in the response, but always need to make sure that they keep their eye on the ball with cybersecurity. So I don't know if you could speak a little bit to just how you make sure that you have that culture of cybersecurity so that it's always a top priority, no matter what it is that, that your team is working on. 
So, so within Con Ed, um, cybersecurity has the attention uh, across the board and across all levels. It starts with uh, an active uh, engagement at the board of directors level. Uh, our executive team uh, gets periodic updates from from me and our uh, cybersecurity uh, security officer. Um, we have uh, periodic phishing exercises that we undertake uh, internally that uh, train and educate uh, our staff um, across the company. Um, we also, um, on a very frequent basis, have uh, focus sessions that um, that we conduct in terms of education and and training uh, across the, the the various officers. Uh, Within the within the firm, so at, at multiple levels, uh, we we have different communication strategies going on. We have educational forum that we set up, and we have uh, we have formal uh, information sessions scheduled both at the executive levels as well as at the board of director levels. So cybersecurity is uh, is extremely important for all of us and. Uh, and each of us is is measured on our, our response to to these uh, to these phishing exercises that we conduct. Uh, we we undertake um, uh, educational forums on which we actively encourage participation um, by by staff, and um, and like you said, um, during the Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, we have active communication also that goes across uh, to the various departments, and my staff participates in uh, in various staff meetings uh, of the officer at the officer level. Uh, so yeah, uh, consistent uh, education uh, and communication is key to to raising awareness within the firm. And is there maybe one or two examples of just good cyber hygiene that we all should observe? I know they often say you shouldn't sign on to the public Wi-Fi at airports with the company device, those sort of things. But what can we as employees do to make sure that we're being vigilant when we're just going about our daily lives? So that's a good question. One of the best practices that um, that we feel helps us mitigate some of the, the spam-related uh, threats is having a visual indicator on on emails uh, to indicate whether the sender is uh, an internal sender versus an external sender by by putting these visual indicators uh, we we get a sense of of the comfort level that we should have in responding to to some of the emails we get from external sources the the bad actors are getting more and more sophisticated in in some of the ways they craft these emails in in order to fish our employees and so by having uh, visual indicators that simplify that decision making and the uh, and establishing the trust mechanisms is i think an important best practice that we think is useful in in our ability to combat some of these uh, malicious emails that get sent across that's Great, thank you. And I, I know, obviously, the the COVID nineteen pandemic has complicated a lot of jobs and roles over the past year and a half or so. And I know how hard the EEI team has worked to develop new solutions and make sure that we're able to implement them in a secure way. So, seeing as how you're responsible for a much larger entity than than EEI, I just want to commend what I'm sure has been an extensive amount of work that you've you've led over the past year and a half to to help keep your customers 
powered, as well as making sure that you're, you're making sure everything is done in a way that maintains security. Yes, it's indeed uh, an interesting challenge that that my team was able to mitigate through the past uh, 18 to 19 months. Um, COVID brought its own challenges in terms of availability of resources and staff, uh, but the team stepped up to, to the occasion and uh, through constant education and communication and an architecture that, that relies on industry best practices and uh, a zero trust architecture framework, um, I think that goes a long way in, in helping us uh, mitigate these challenges. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I appreciate your insights. You're very welcome. Thank you. And now I'll turn it over to Scott Aronson. So I'm really excited to be joined by Margaret, uh, who has been a leader for Puget Sound Energy and for the industry as a whole. So Margaret, tell me how you come at these issues. Uh, tell me a little bit about your role at Puget Sound Energy and, and how uh, cybersecurity has been a priority uh, for you and your company. Well, thank you, Scott. Again, my name is Margaret Hopkins, and uh, as a Senior Vice President of Shared Services and Chief Information Officer at PSE, I'm responsible for your traditional information technology services, as well as uh, corporate security and cybersecurity at the company. And as, um, as owner of Shared Services, that encompasses both the supply chain, our COVID response, and a variety of other things that you know, really protect the entire company from the threats that we face. And so um, cybersecurity, of course, has been a critical program for us at PSE. As we all know, uh, the energy sector has been a key area of focus for the bad actors out there. So I really appreciate that holistic view uh, that your job gives you with respect to security, right? We are critical infrastructure. I, I think that's a label that has lost all meaning to folks, but it's because we're critical to national security. It's because we're critical to the health and safety of the communities that we serve. Can you tell me a little bit about why you view the energy grid as critical and how Puget Sound Energy has made protection of its infrastructure a priority? Sure. Well, you know, there's a variety of things that are deemed critical infrastructure, and I agree with you, Scott, you know, maybe not everybody understands what that means, but, you know, public health, transportation, food and agriculture, energy, there's a variety of sectors that are deemed critical. And the reason they're critical is because their breakdown or their incapacitation could directly affect our public health, public safety, national security, the economy. And the grid or the energy sector in general is a, what I consider to be a unique element of critical infrastructure because it's an enabler. It's an enabler. It enables all of the other critical infrastructure. So if you're uh, a bad actor or you want to wreak havoc um, on critical infrastructure and disable an economy, the grid is a, is a wonderful target for you because if you disable the grid, you disrupt the grid, then by virtue of the downstream services that rely on it, they become disrupted and crippled as well. So, you know, we're, we're fuel for, if you just look at the energy sector in general, we're fuel for transportation. Um, electricity is needed for farms and food and hospitals and emergency response, just your home or a business to run. And it's if, if we can disable the grid, we can disable all those things all in one felt swoop. You know, it's incumbent upon us in this sector, in these companies to understand how vital we are to the entire ecosystem there. And so we have, uh, a, I think, a higher calling to protect. And um, so our, our programs, I'm sure not just at PSE, but across the sector, our programs have to really take that into account. And, and we have to 
what I, I guess I could say, be double diligent about how we protect the grid from um, those potential attacks and those bad actors out there. I really appreciate, again, that, that holistic view and, and what you said about having a higher calling. Um, the former head of the Cyber and Infrastructure Security Agency at uh, the Department of Homeland Security, Chris Krebs, uh, called us an apex industry, right? All of the other sectors rely on us. So as you said, uh, we are uh, the fuel, we are the backbone for, uh, for, for society. And so that gives us an awful lot of responsibility. You know, given that responsibility and, and given that the threats are constantly evolving, I'm curious what you view as some of the emerging cyber threats uh, that you are concerned about uh, and you know some of the threat actors themselves. It, it's not just you know what we used to have this uh, the proverbial you know hacker kid in their mom's basement. Really, we're we're looking at everything from the sort of punks, thugs, and criminals all the way to uh, near peer nation states. So so if you could talk to us a little bit about the emerging threats and, and those threat actors. You know, Scott, I I think that there's always a new threat emerging. The weakest link in all of that is the human, us. And it's the one thing that probably keeps me up at night. It, it, to me, it's the hardest thing to control. And a bad actor knows that if they can um, find that weakest link, i.e. the human, that they can get in, doesn't matter what method they use. It could be ransomware, it could be um, malware, it could be uh, phishing. You know, phishing is probably one of the most prominent out there. But we can, we can train a human but they're not as easily controlled as maybe our technology, the firewalls that we put in place or the security patching that we do at our companies or the geofencing and all these other tools and services and these defenses that we, these layers of defense that we put in. The human, as much as we'd like to train them, they're gonna make a mistake and the bad actors know it. But it doesn't matter if it's nation state or some you know, 15 year old, they will find a way to get to, to us. And the reason I think it's getting worse or accelerated is that our threat surfaces as an individual are expanding and they're accelerating. So we like to sometimes think that if I'm in the office, I can protect everything around the corporation and what that person does in the office. But the reality is what that person does in their home can in fact extend into their work. And so at home, we all have Wi-Fi enabled everything. We have nests, we have Alexa, we have smart homes. My crock pot is Wi-Fi enabled, for goodness sakes. And so when you start to take a look at how the threat surface in your home is expanding, each one of those things is connected to the internet. And more than likely, you're not creating unique passwords for every one of those things. More than likely, and I can admit to this myself, our passwords are very similar. So, you know, you get into one thing at the home, you can get into something else. And so what the thing that scares me the most in the utility sector is that distributed energy resources are becoming more and more, more prevalent. So solar panels on the homes, batteries, chargers for our Teslas or storage devices, and those are also internet connected. If we aren't careful in our homes and, and how we behave as individuals, even outside of the office, you know, a bad actor can figure out how to penetrate our nest. And if that password happens to be the same as what's on that solar panel, then they may in fact be able to find their way out onto the grid. Well, that's really hard for us as a, an energy uh, company to control because I can't control what you do in your home. So I have to find ways to protect the grid despite what you may or may not do. And, and so, uh, you know, I can't stress enough that our ability to train 
people, whether that's in, in their work environment or somehow in their homes to help them understand how important it is to protect themselves, whether they're on social media or giving their password out to any retailer they're buying something from. Every one of those things that they do and those actions that they take increases the size of their threat surface and increases um, the ability for a bad actor to, to wreak havoc. Um, I'll give an example of something that actually happened to us at PSE. We got a call from a federal agency and uh, they let us know that um, there were, were several attempts to penetrate the Facebook accounts of several of our employees. And so we were able to, to determine you know, who those employees were and shut those down. But the intent was that while these individuals were in our office on our corporate network, they were accessing their personal social media accounts. And the, in, the intent was, if I can get into those, um, those social media accounts, I can get into those passwords, then I may be able to extend over onto the corporate network, which could have been very dangerous for us. And so at that time, we weren't really positioned to be able to protect well against social media. Um, and so we had to shut down all of social media for a good period of time at our company, which made a lot of employees very unhappy. But the reality is that they can get in that way. And we have to help our, our employees and our people and everybody that we interact with understand that they are part of protecting the economy, the grid. They're, we're all part of this ecosystem I'll use again, and we all have a responsibility to create those protections. So there were so many important points in that answer. I, the first <laughs> that I'll pull out is, is threat agnostic, right? It, it's not just cyber. It's not just physical. It's not just supply chain. It's all of the above. And if we've got to be right, protecting that infrastructure 100% of the time and the adversary, whoever it is, has to be right once, well, we need to have more than just stop the bad thing from happening. We also need to be resilient. We need to have that defense in depth. We need to make sure that anytime that there's a bad actor, that a bad day does not become a catastrophic day. Absolutely. I, I, I really appreciate that approach to this. And then that, that notion of expanding the attack surface, we've been talking about this for a long time. You know, ever since uh, the smart meter rollouts uh, back in like two, you know, the mid 2000s, it's about baking security in, not bolting it on. It's that paradox of we're expanding the attack surface, but we also have better visibility into systems to understand when anomalies or potentially even attacks are happening. And then the last part is that that this all starts and ends with people, right? No matter how good your firewall configurations, no matter how good your defenses are, uh, I've always I've loved the the cyber experts who talk about uh, there's hardware. There's software and there's wetware, and the humans are the wetware, and, and we are the uh, dumbest part, <laughs> if I can say that, of the entire equation because we can't, you know, we we can't control what people are going to do. And so, I do think as we are in Cyber Awareness Month uh, and going into November, which is Critical Infrastructure Protection Month, there really is a, a month for everything. Um, one of the important things that we can be doing for listeners of this podcast is. What can we do? What is some basic cyber hygiene that everyone should follow? What are you doing to uh, help uh, the employees of Puget Sound Energy uh, be better defenders of some of this most critical infrastructure? Well, before I answer that question, one thing I do want to highlight that you said um, in reference to the last question was the monitoring. And I didn't bring that up, but I do think that it it those 
things are going to occur out there. And our job is not only to put the defenses in place to protect against them or train, train people to um, you know, do the right things. We have to monitor for those. We have to be on the ready. We have to notice when something anomalous is occurring and we have to be able to respond quickly. And then there's a whole host of other things that you know, companies and, and, and especially electric companies have to do to make sure that we are on top of those things and can immediately respond. And um, we can have a whole nother podcast someday on response because I think that is just as vital as protecting and preventing. Um, following on to Cyber Awareness Month and what people can do, while they probably don't have as much ability to monitor, they certainly can take some actions in my mind, you know, to do some basic protections. And so first and foremost, unique passwords, right? I mentioned that earlier in the discussion. It is so hard to do. It, there are so many things where we're giving out our passwords these days, whether it's the 10, 15 applications we have in the office or whether it's all of the things that we're, we're signing up for on the internet, it's really hard to make those unique. There are unique password generators, but who could ever remember those? So um, password vaults, they're, they're really great. They, they, are, they are secure, you can use them. There are some good ones out there, look into them um, and then make your passwords unique. Personal firewalls in your home, consider a personal firewall. We do it in the office, we do it at all the companies and why shouldn't we do it in our homes? They, they're, they're readily available, they're not overly expensive, and it, it to me is an extra protection that everybody, everybody should really look into. Um, question every unexpected email. If you weren't expecting to hear from, I don't know, UPS, then you probably shouldn't do, click on that link. If it's unexpected, question it. You can never be too careful. Don't worry about if if you made a mistake. They'll come they'll come back again if you if you ignored <laughs> ignored the email. So just um, those are the ones that get us the easiest. They look real. There are ways to to identify if something is questionable. Look for misspellings. Look for you know the the sender to be strange. It might not be Amazon support. It might be Amazon customer support. You know you just look for the the types of things that are the telltale signs. Antivirus software, everybody should have it on their computers, in the office, in the home. Make sure you're patching everything. If your iRobot says, hey, we need a software update, please run the update. Those are usually because they need to patch some things. And so make sure that you're patching in the office, at home. And then the mobile device. Let's talk about the mobile device. We always worry about the computer. We always have worried about your laptop and securing those types of things. But the mobile device, is everywhere now and it's always with you and it's the most vulnerable. Make sure it's password protected. Only download trusted applications, right? Use the lost and found feature. We've all lost our phone from time to time. Make sure you can find it and find it quickly and avoid unsecure Wi-Fi's. And this applies whether you've, you're taking your laptop out or your mobile device. If you're in public places, if it's unsecured, it, it's not secure. So be very careful in those public locations about um, connecting because it, it can expose you significantly. That's a lot of really good. <laughs> Too many things maybe. Right? No, well, <laughs> look, I just finished my uh, annual cybersecurity training at EEI and this notion of stop, think, be critical, right, uh, is, is really important. Uh, and uh, actually, I've been doing my own research on uh, some of those uh, password vaults, and and I have to I I won't do an advertisement here, but I have to agree that that is a really good way to make sure that you've got unique, difficult passwords, and that you're uh, protecting yourself as much at home as as your uh, chief information officer is at the office. So, with that, Margaret, it really has been terrific to talk to you uh, at the 
uh, end of Cyber Awareness Month and the beginning of Critical Infrastructure Protection Month, and uh, appreciate all of your leadership on these issues and the work that you and Puget Sound Energy are doing, and, and it's just been great to talk to you. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and come back next week to hear more from experts and industry leaders who are talking about the innovative ways electric companies are building a cleaner, smarter, stronger energy future for the customers and communities they serve. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Electric Perspectives. I'm your host, Brian Real. Thanks for listening.